going down, people? It's your homie CL back live on the Rundown South podcast. It has been a minute. So, uh, I had to just come off the, the vacay from the podcast. I was going to shut it down for about, I don't know, maybe like three months. But when it, when it's time to get them bars off, it's time to get them bars off. And this Kyrie Irving NBA takeover where like it's nonstop news leaking all day. So we had to go straight in the heart of the situation. You know, we can't get Brian Windhorse. This is not a real publication. We doing this for fun. But we do have more flavor than the average podcast. So we got none other than Justin Hicks from the Hip Hop Sports Report. What's going on, man? What's up, CL? Good to be back on the rundown, man. I know it's been a minute. You yeah, know. it has. We had kind of made a regular thing when uh, Atlanta and, and Cleveland was playing in the playoffs. It, you know, it always was coming up, but then, I don't know. You know, Atlanta just fell off. They got that Dwight Boulder. <laughs> they, they're, they're getting back right, though. I mean, they, they they kind of were in the middle. Like, they had to pick a lane. They had to pick a, are they trying to rebuild or not? You know, it's, and they finally, I think they're finally kind of I'm, coming to peace with, with the rebuild. So I ain't really understand what they're doing. Just letting people walk for free. Not getting anything back, but I don't know. Those people know basketball more than me. Maybe they'll have something up their sleeve, but that's not important. The reason why we stopped the presses is because of one Mr. Kyrie Irving, uh, who has basically blown up everything that y'all had going on in Cleveland. So before I get into the question, just kind of give me your your first reaction when you heard the news that Kyrie was unhappy and wanted to be traded. So for, for the listeners that don't know or don't remember, cause you know, I was on the podcast, you know, last year or two years ago, something like that. But you know, I'm from Cleveland originally and I grew up a Cavs fan long before LeBron ever got there. So I've been, been rocking right. with the team. I've been rocking with the team pretty much all my life. And so, uh, even though, you know, I, I have my own site now and I do my own thing, just as a, as a fan, you know, I've always been a fan of, of all the Cleveland teams. And so I was a fan of the Cavaliers. I've, I've been a fan this whole time. So yeah, when I first life. heard the news about the trade request or the alleged <sighs> trade request by Kyrie, the first thing I thought was just utter shock and disappointment. I don't think anybody really saw that coming. I think people knew that the possibility loomed mm -hmm. that one day Kyrie may want the spotlight to himself. I don't think anybody thought it was going to be right now and this soon, especially given that the team is coming off three straight trips to the finals. And they had played well. LeBron and Kyrie seemed to have a good relationship. If you watch the finals, the Cavs lose game five. They're walking off the court. And I think LeBron walks off the court and, uh, he's in the tunnel waiting on Kyrie and then they, they link up in the tunnel and they embrace each other. And LeBron puts his arm around Kyrie and they walk back to the locker room together hand to hand. Like, you know what I mean? It really looked like they were brothers in that moment. And that was, that was literally, uh, six weeks ago. <laughs> and you know what I mean? So like, it's not like this was ancient history. So this was just six weeks ago. These guys looked like they were inseparable. And they were going to reload, retool, and be ready to take on the Warriors in, in, in the fourth part of this, uh, this series, like a four part series, you know? So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, it's hard to believe that so much could have gone wrong so quickly. But my initial reaction was just complete disappointment because 
I've never seen a team that's had as much success as the Cavs have had in the last three years have this much dysfunction at the same time. And it really just it's 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 a classic Cleveland fan trait that you get a team that's this talented and this good and they just can't seem to get along, they can't get out of their own way, they can't stop being a topic on in the national media. Mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to you know, write whatever story they need to write in order to get each of the star players out of town. And and the Cavs as an organization as a team do things that feed into that. And it's really frustrating from a fan standpoint. So ultimately I just feel like the the, the the Cleveland sports fan is the ones getting left out in the cold this whole thing because Kyrie's going to go on whether or not he stays or goes. Mm-hmm. He's going to go on and make his millions. He's going to go to another team. He's going to get his chance to be the man and, and get his own shine. LeBron's legacy is solidified. Right. Um, and, the, and the city did get a title out of it, so it's not like it was a total loss or anything like that. But, you know, so much more potentially could have been left on the table. Right. And it's... But you know when you bring in LeBron, you have to do a little bit of soul selling to to appease him to make sure that you get exactly what you need. Uh, just to make sure that you know, for one, you're gonna build a team around LeBron, and also making sure that uh, whatever little tweaks might need to be made, <clears throat> excuse me, makes him happy. Now you kind of led me into the first question, which is like. I guess who has more of the blame? Is it Kyrie just lacking a little self-awareness? Is it LeBron for being halfway out the door? Or is it Daniel Gibson for not having any stability in the whole entire organization and especially the front office? You mean Dan Gilbert? Yeah, I mean Dan Gilbert. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tripping, man. Yeah, that, that other guy's loving hip-hop now. Right. <laughs> But no, nah, man. Um, so I've I've seen a lot of people debate this, and I've seen like I've seen a, I saw a meme floating out there on on social media today that said, "Who do you blame? Do you blame Kyrie? Do you blame LeBron? Do you blame Dan Gilbert in the front office, or do you blame the Warriors? Because if the Warriors don't win the series, then none of this probably happens. You know, if the Warriors didn't come together the way they did and, and build a super duper team, then this probably doesn't happen the way it did." It did. Mm. I think that there's enough blame to go around for all parties, to be honest. I think everybody has a little bit of blame in this, at least a little bit. Um, I, I was personally critical of, of, uh, the organization not bringing back David Griffin. I think David Griffin did a fantastic job under immense pressure as the general manager of the Cavaliers. I've, I've heard people like Bill Simmons suggest that David Griffin either might not be a good GM or that there's no evidence to suggest that he is a good GM. I think that's garbage. David Griffin took over a team that uh, that finished 10th in the Eastern Conference the year that he became the interim GM, and then he got the full-time job. The next year, they were in the finals. Now, granted, they got LeBron, but when when LeBron goes, when LeBron chooses to go to Miami, everybody hails Pat Riley as some kind of super genius. But when LeBron chooses to leave Miami and go back to Cleveland, nobody gives the Cavaliers front office any credit. They just say, oh, well, LeBron just decided to go back there. So, yeah, I mean, I just think that the, the Cavs front office has done a tremendous job since they've, since David Griffin took over as a general manager. And I think that the, uh, the front office kind of gets unfairly criticized a lot of time. Having, having said that, they made a mistake in not bringing Griffin back. So I think there's definitely blame there. I think the blame with Kyrie is obvious. But I think the person who deserves more blame than they're receiving from the general public is LeBron. Mm. I really believe that LeBron 
as the leader of the team and the leader of the franchise, it's the onus is on him to keep all this stuff together. The the two people, the two most prominent athletes in major American professional team sports today are LeBron James and Tom Brady. And you don't see Tom Brady ever do stuff like this leading the Patriots. Do you ever see Tom Brady engaging in social media stuff that might undermine one of his teammates? Tom Brady's been in the NFL for almost 20 years. He's never had a teammate said a bad thing about yeah. him after he's left. He's never alienated a teammate to the point that he wanted to leave just to get away from him. That's right. never been the case with Brady. You know? I mean, like, I think LeBron can, like, really learn a thing or two from the way that he conducts himself versus how Tom conducts himself. But Brady, you know, he'll, I mean, or excuse me, LeBron has taken these short contracts uh, pretty much ever since he signed his first extension with the Cavs back in 06. He's been taking these shorter deals, which has only served to fuel the speculation that he might leave. Now, LeBron is perfectly within his right to do that, and he's earned his right to do that, so I don't really judge him from that standpoint. But you have to be aware of the effect that that's going to have on your team at the same time. You're putting your franchise in a, in a huge hole uh, from a negotiation standpoint. You can't recruit free agents because they don't know that the best players committed. LeBron's already left his team twice. So how, how is somebody supposed to believe that there's any stability with the franchise now? So you look at somebody like Kyrie, and he's sitting back thinking, well, LeBron's already left Cleveland once. He left Miami once. The entire franchise seems to be bending uh, at his whim to do whatever he wants to do. I want some shine, too. I, I feel like I'm pretty good. I feel like I had a, a hand in us winning that championship. How come How come I can't get any say-so? How come we can't go out and trade for my boy Jimmy Butler? How come my people can't ride on the team uh, charter jet? That's How come I don't get the same respect? You know what I mean? Right. And it sounds petty. It sounds petty, but, I mean, I think that it, it, there's some truth to it. And, you know, I think if LeBron had – either he doesn't – Either he's not aware of it or he just doesn't care. Okay, my bad. I was just going to say, had his leadership skills been on another level, he could have uh, alleviated a lot of this. I think he, you know, even though LeBron has earned the right to do what he does, he doesn't have to do it. But by doing it, by exercising these decisions to take these shorter deals and to make it known that he's calling the shots, you know, and and, uh, and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's it, it puts a division between him and his teammates. Okay. And... Yeah, so um, I think I think he deserves a lot more blame than what he's getting from most people. The, those are very fair points, and with LeBron, uh, I do believe the fact that it's getting out that he's looking at a move to Los Angeles, and like you said, he's signing these short deals to remain flexible. Yeah, some part of it is about the cap, but other parts is always keeping the Cavs on their toes and letting get. Dan Gilbert not have any type of security in knowing that he has LeBron locked up for years to come. But I will push back a little bit on the organization part because I'm, I, I want to agree with Bill Simmons a little bit because I heard that, that pie too. And I do think that some of the moves that he made did hamstring the organization. Now you can say what you want about the influence that LeBron had on some of those decisions, but fact remains is he's the general manager. He pulls the trigger. He knows what he has to do. And I'm sorry, but like two first round picks from Mozgov, 
and at, because you need a little rim protection, I think you, <clears throat> you really selling yourself short and not really thinking big picture. And I feel like so, a lot of the, a lot of the moves were not big picture because if you see the way some of the negotiations with basically all the clutch sports guys, the Tristan and JR, um, deals, they went down to the last minute. And I don't think Griff really wanted to sign them back at those numbers. And I'd agree. I'd agree with that. I really think that it would have helped the Cavs to just let them walk because that would have kept them some real cap space going forward and making moves, you know, like getting Paul George or whoever might be on the market, like Jimmy Butler at the time and make some of these moves a little bit more, uh, you know, malleable for the other party, even having more picks. So it's like, I feel like they, they was going for the championship right away. But I, if, when you got LeBron, you know, you in the race. So it's like, why, but why? you don't, but you don't know you have LeBron because LeBron's taking these short deals, like you said. Exactly. So how so, can you, how, how can, so, so that's on LeBron. That's not on management. LeBron is the one who's setting the parameters because he's, when, when, when LeBron sits down to negotiate with you and you know he wants to sign with you, LeBron's going to dictate the terms of that deal. So he's going to say, I'm signing a, a two year deal with an opt out after one year and you're going to like it. And the Cavs are like sold. You know what I mean? The Cavs aren't in any position to negotiate against that. They're going to take exactly what LeBron wants to do and they're going to sign him to it. So, but if he's signing these short deals, then as you pointed out a minute ago, he's putting pressure on the franchise to win right now. You have to win now to impress me to the point that I want to stick around longer. You have to, I'm keeping you on your toes so that you all know that I'm calling the shots and that you need to continuously put a product out on the floor with me. So I'm not out here by myself. Right. So we all, we all know that's what he's doing. Or, or it certainly appears that way. So if that's the case, David Griffin has no choice but to go all in. And guess what? He did, and it worked. They went to the finals three years in a row, and they won a championship. David Griffin took over that team. The only players that were on the team when David Griffin took over as general manager was Tristan Thompson and Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie Irving was a free agent. And at the time that David Griffin took over as a GM, the wide, there was wide belief that Kyrie was going to leave the Cavs too because everybody leaves Cleveland. So People just assumed that Kyrie was going to bounce too. Like there was no, you know, it was a surprise when at 12:01 on July 1st of 2014, Kyrie announced that he was resigning with the Cavs. Right. People, people didn't expect that, but David Griffin resigned Kyrie, and then David Griffin got LeBron to come back, and then David Griffin traded Wiggins for Kevin Love, who at the time was considered a top 10 player in the league and was an All NBA second team player. So David Griffin acquired. A former MVP, re-signed an All-NBA player, and traded for another All-NBA player in the same summer. He doesn't get the credit for it. He turned over that entire roster and turned it from a team that was finishing 10th in the East to a team that went to three finals in a row and won the first championship in the history of the organization. I don't understand how that can be construed as not being an impressive job as a general manager, especially when you're playing in between LeBron and Dan Gilbert, you talk about a difficult set of circumstances. He, on one end, he has to appease Dan Gilbert. On the other end, he has to appease LeBron. That's okay. not easy to do. You're, you're talking about the most powerful player in sports, and you're talking about an owner who is 
very impatient, and has no track record of stability. That's fair and he enough. He's both yeah. of them at the same time, and he went to three finals in a row and won a title. I don't know what else he's supposed to do. I, I really feel you on that. And there is something to be said about the guy who's able to smooth out all the egos and really keep the peace uh, Absolutely. on every level of the organization. And he does deserve a lot of credit for that. He was the one that wrote the letter during the finals last year when the Cavs were down 3-1 that galvanized the entire organization. He wrote a letter. It was in Brian Winhorth and Dave McMenamin's book about the championship last year. And basically in this email to the entire company, he said, you know what, we're supposed to be down 3-1 because we, we make things harder on ourselves, but this is who we are and we have a lot of character and we, we bounce back from things like this. David Griffin sent that email out. Dan Gilbert didn't send that out. LeBron didn't send that out. David Griffin did that. So David Griffin, in addition to putting a championship team on the floor under immense pressure, he's also, like you said, doing these other things off the court to kind of, or off, you know, outside of his normal work responsibilities to kind of bring the team together and smooth things over and, and get the team focused in one direction. And I didn't even mention the fact that he fired David Black midseason when the team was in first place and put Teron Lewis in place and he immediately won a title. What is Bill Simmons talking about? I love Bill Simmons, but he's, he couldn't be more incorrect about the job David Griffin did with the Cavs. You can you can nitpick certain moves. You know, two firsts for Mozgov seems like a bad move in hindsight, especially considering that centers have been kind of relegated uh, to to being irrelevant in, in the NBA these days with the, with the amount of three point shooting and perimeter play that we're seeing. Guys like Mozgov are are not they don't have a place in the league anymore. So when you consider that he gave him two firsts for Mozgov now, you're like, man, that was a bad move. But the Cavs were going deep into the playoffs anyway, so those were late first-round picks. I mean, what is, what is, who, who do we make that deal with? Was that the Knicks or the Nuggets? What did they ever get from those picks? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, those were picks in the 20s, in the high 20s. Like, those picks didn't turn into anything. So, no, I, I'm, I'm I gonna have, totally I'm gonna have to fact-check that, that one. That I'm going to have to fact I want to say somebody is significant from one of those picks, but I, I'm going to fact-check that one, that one later. Okay. But well, for we'll, now. Yeah, we'll, 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 We'll double back on that, but but for now, and, and don't uh, get me wrong, right, it, it would be nice if they had assets now. Don't get me wrong, it would be nice if they had assets now. But the objective of every franchise is to win the NBA championship, and you can't win the NBA championship unless you win your conference. The Cavs have won their conference three consecutive years, and they won a title. So I'm, you're never going to hear me criticize. I'm from Cleveland, dude. I, I've lived through all the failures. You're never going to hear me criticize the job that David Griffin did with the Cavs. Right. So. Well, okay. All right, so fighting through more of this. But uh what I was saying was Pat Riley can't get too much of the credit for making the initial uh LeBron Chris Bosh coming to Miami because we know Dwayne Wade was so, you know, pivotal in making that happen. But what we do give Pat Riley a lot of credit for was reinforcing the fact that Spolster was supposed to be the coach and getting the right type of people to put around LeBron and finding a way to make the whole thing work because these were all main guys on their team and now they're all going to just, you know, concede to LeBron. And somehow they found enough balance to make it work. And I I feel like that's pretty much your job when you're dealing with LeBron because with his play, you know you're going to win a lot of games. 
and you're going to go deep in the playoffs. It's guaranteed because that's his track record. I think it's just one of those things you have to to do when you're dealing with LeBron. And I felt like Pat Riley did a little bit better of bringing things together around LeBron and not selling himself short because look at the shape they are in now. Like it's, of course it's not the same because Chris Bosh is no longer there. You know, that's, it's got a big asterisk on it because if you, if you look at their current team and if you added Chris Bosh, they will look a lot closer to something of a contender. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, well, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole talking about the Miami Heat, but I personally believe that Pat Riley's overrated as a general manager anyway. And it's not that I don't think he's good, but I Mm. I just think he gets too much credit. I think he gets too much credit because he has built in advantages all over the place. Um, He's got, obviously, he's got the weather. He's got the location of Miami. Everybody wants to be down in Miami because of the weather, because of the women, because of whatever. And there's it's it's always warm. There's no state tax in Florida. I mean, the Florida teams historically attract free agents in every sport. <laughs> it's, and, it, and it's not just um, it's not just Miami. I mean, back in the day, Orlando was getting Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill to go down there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it it you know, there's a reason why the Florida teams are always attracting free agents in all of the three major sports. So the heat, the heat are no different. I mean, but the, between the weather and the no state tax thing, there's absolutely a built-in advantage for him that teams in, like, say, for example, the Midwest don't have. They don't have that weather. They don't have the no state tax in those Midwestern towns and cities. So, I mean, he's always got that working in, in his favor. And so when he pulls stuff off like this, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, nobody saw the, the, the heat coming together the way that they did in 2010. But even you just mentioned Dwayne Wade was LeBron's best friend. So that was another built-in advantage he had. When right. the Cavs recruited LeBron back to Cleveland, the only built-in advantage they had was that LeBron was from there originally. But That's even it. though he was from there originally, but he, he left the town on he left the city on bad terms. And, but look, and his, the, his mom and wife didn't even want him to go back. They was like, "What do you?" That's what he said. About? That's what he said on the, in the barbershop under uh, in the under what's it called undisputed undefeated whatever it's called uninterrupted. That's what it's yeah. called, right? <laughs> in the in the uninterrupted uh, joint, he said that his mom and his wife didn't want to go back there. But I mean, he's from the area, but he didn't have a pleasant experience when his last go around with the cast. The owner left him that horrible letter, and he you know had to go and mend fences with him. The weather is not nearly as nice. There's, there's, there's state tax in Ohio, not like in Miami. I mean, but if you look at the reason why he left, he left for the same reason that he left Cleveland. He left because it was a better basketball situation in Cleveland than it was in Miami. And Miami didn't have they – were, they were in the same position the Cavs were in. They had maxed out all their resources. They had a bunch of older ball players on bigger contracts that were not flexible, and there was really no way for them to improve the team from the team that got beat up by the Spurs in the 2014 NBA Finals. That's why he left. Oh, I, I so it's a, it's the same. I don't see I don't see much of a difference personally in in, in that regard. So I mean, uh, to me, I think the Cavaliers are consistently operating on a higher degree of difficulty than a team like Miami, for instance, or the Lakers, for example, because everybody quote unquote wants to go to the Lakers, which I don't even really believe that LeBron is dying to go to the Lakers either. Like if people are making it out to be. I think everybody 
in the league and all of the national media has a vested interest in seeing LeBron go to the Lakers. So they're pushing that narrative as much as they can. Mm-hmm. But from a basketball standpoint, it doesn't make any sense for LeBron to go out there and play with who? Lonzo Ball? No. I mean, Lonzo, don't get me wrong. Lonzo's nice, but why would, you know, assuming, assuming he can work the situation out with Kyrie, why would you rather play with Lonzo than Kyrie? Yeah. At, at, at LeBron's age right now, LeBron is going to be 33 years old in December. Why would you want to, you know, play with a, a kid <laughs> in Lonzo Ball who? next year? when you're 34 years old. Like, it just doesn't well, make any sense. They play in the West instead but, of playing in the East. Well, I'm not buying that either. Well, see, you, you're you're banking on, like, Lonzo definitely being there. There, There's no telling what it might happen, what might happen to make the LeBron James to L.A. thing happen. But I want to get back on track with this whole Kyrie situation because we kind of yeah, got Yeah, my bad, man. I'm, I'm taking you down. Like I said, I'm taking you down to rap. You, I know, man. You, <laughs> you, I I feel that it's very personal to you. It it really does come come off that way. I'm not going to lie to you. Now, just looking at the whole Kyrie situation, there have been numerous leaks, uh, most notably the Stephen A. Smith saying that if Kyrie was in front of LeBron, LeBron would be tempted to whoop his ass, which I'm like, that's a bunch of nothing if – and he he would be tempted to, like, that's not saying a lot in the first place, but whatever. And then Kyrie saying that LeBron's camp is the one to to blame for it to getting out because you know of course Brian Windhorst got the information first, and so did Dave McMenamin. So it's like <clears throat> I like what what Windhorst said, which is if the facts get out and it's true. Why does it matter where it came from? I heard him say that also. And I agree. It it really doesn't matter where, who leaked the story or where it came from. I mean, it was, it was going to get out eventually. Right. I don't think things like that are, are good at being kept under wraps. Excuse me. Especially with the cab, especially in the Cavaliers organization, stuff seems to find a way to get out. And I don't believe everything I hear. I mean, I think a lot of people will jump on any, any anything that they can. They'll they'll attach themselves to. I, I believe that this Kyrie story is true. That he did request a trade from the team. Um, I've also I also heard that um, people were telling, uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler. I think it was to to not to not come to the Cavs, to not push for a trade for the Cavs, and that. You know, the Cavs were a sinking ship, and that you know we should not be trying to get better players here. That mm. that story when that came out, it sounded uh, absurd, and I and I rejected it at the time. Like, there's no basis to this whatsoever, unless Kyrie was the one that said it to Jimmy Butler, because Kyrie and Jimmy Butler are really good friends, and maybe back then Kyrie knew that he was leaving. Now it makes some more sense that maybe he said that because he knew that he was going to push for a trade from Cleveland, but. Uh, I, I just heard a few minutes ago that that uh, that two years ago, or maybe it was you know after they won the championship, that LeBron wanted Kyrie traded for Chris Paul, and that that and and Kyrie found out about it, and then that's how all this happened. Um, I mean, there, there's no telling, man. I mean, the, there's this. I, I don't. You're gonna hear so many ridiculous stories about the Cavs, and so many ridiculous rumors about trades, and he said, he said, and all this other stuff. 
and I only believe like twenty percent of it. Okay, so <laughs> like let's, let's let's talk about the trades then. What what do you think is the best trade that has been floated out there? Because you got the the whole Phoenix New York joint I, is I think there's one where it's like it's Phoenix straight up. Uh, I've heard one. I don't know if it's just like a trade machine, but like one where he's going to Memphis for like Mark Gasol. And then the one, uh, I think they even said, uh, Denver was another destination that might work because looking at San Antonio, they couldn't make that work at all. They would, be, they would really have to like reconstruct the team. And that, that is a slim chance. And I guess while we're on the subject, what do you think about his list and what that really means for him? Because it, it's it, it's almost like conflicting narratives. If you got the Knicks, Spurs, Heat, uh, and what was the other team? I'm missing one. Timberwolves. Timberwolves. That's right. Yeah, and it's like him being the guys. I mean, I I guess I can kind of get it in Minnesota and New York, but and you know, you gonna go back to Miami with Deion Waiters? You gonna be, I guess, the number two guy to Kawhi Leonard? I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, really... he, he, yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. And you're right about the conflicting narrative. That's that's absolutely correct. So, I mean, if we're to believe the initial report that Kyrie wants to leave because he wants to be his own leader and be the leader of a franchise, then why would you want to go to San Antonio where you'd be the second best player on the team? Or why would you want to go to Minnesota where you'd be, you know, I mean, he might be the best player on the team in Minnesota. It's like, say, for uh, example, nah, it'd be trade. Butler. It definitely. Be well, I mean, well, here's what I'm saying. Like, so <clears throat> maybe, uh, maybe uh, he, they trade Wiggins for Kyrie. Let's just hypothetically say that. So okay. now you have Kyrie, Butler, and Towns. Uh, I can't definitively say who the best player on that team is. Um, and I can. I mean, some people was you. You think it's Jimmy Butler? It's definitely Jimmy Butler because of what I can get on the defensive end. That's a fair point. Um, and so what you what you bring up, though, kind of, and going back to your initial question about what the best trade is that's out there, it kind of depends on what you think of uh, Kyrie as a commodity in the NBA. And I tweeted this earlier today on um Twitter account at HHS Report for, for the website HipHopSportsReport.com. I, I mentioned that, you know, nobody really knows what Kyrie is or what the proper value is for Kyrie, which is probably which is probably why he wants to leave. Mm-hmm. Now, now you can judge him all you want for it, but what I've noticed is that the general public seems to believe that Damian Lillard is better than him, that John Wall is better than him. I heard people during the playoffs saying that Isaiah Thomas was better than him. I'm not buying that. And and so I mean, I think you you know that stuff is debatable. I think those guys are all debatable. Um, personally, I think Kyrie's better than all three of them. Right now, I, and, real quick, I, the the Damian Lillard, Kyrie, John Wall, I think you just splitting hairs. I think yeah, just, I agree. I agree. I, I think it's close. I think it's very close with any of those three. <laughs> Excuse me, and I think that uh, it is is a notch below. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. But <clears throat> but you but you see, you know, I've I've seen a lot of criticism for Kyrie because of his defense. And I'm not saying that it's not warranted. I think that it's fair criticism. His defense has not been 
where it should be. It's, it's not been anything close to elite level defense at the point guard position. But my response to that would be, you know, Damian Lillard is not a good defender. Stephen Curry is not a good defender. Isaiah Thomas is not a good defender. James Harden is not a good defender. Um, some stats will show you that Russell Westbrook's not even that good of a defender. Yes. And yet everybody fawns all over those guys, and everybody is convinced that those guys are all great players. And like I said, most of those guys seem to be viewed as being better than Kyrie in, in the terms of the general public. Mm-hmm. So, But none of those guys play defense. So why is it that Kyrie's the only one that gets really criticized for it, or it seems like he's getting criticized more for it, um, or he's getting penalized more for it, I should say. Um, so I think that's why Kyrie wants to get away from LeBron because LeBron hogs all the credit. And I'm not, when I say hog, I don't mean as in like LeBron is out there taking the credit, but people are going to give LeBron the credit for everything. So they don't want to give Kyrie any credit because they just view him and say, oh, well, he plays with LeBron. So obviously he's going to put up numbers. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. He's going to be on winning teams. They don't want to give Kyrie the credit because LeBron is his teammate. These other guys don't have anybody like LeBron on their teams. And they're the lead dog, so therefore they're getting more of the credit. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair. So, you know, it, it raises an interesting question about what is Kyrie's value as as a player in this league. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Getting back to your initial question of what is what is a good deal that's out there? Um, I, I mean, I, I floated the Wiggins idea. I think that would be a, a reasonable trade for the Cavs to to look into. Mm. Uh, I think Phoenix does have a package um, that could be enticing, but that's I'm hearing stuff, I'm and I had a buddy of mine even on bring, Twitter bring today Bledsoe debating. Over. Huh? I said, that's that's the one I'm looking at, like, that's, oh, that's yeah. going to work. They, uh, yeah, well, Phoenix, I mean, like I said, uh, I mean, they, if, if you if you told me that they could get Eric Bledsoe, Josh Jackson, and, and a pick that's either unprotected or top three protected or something like that, or top one protected, which I hate protected picks in general, but um, you know, if you, if you told me that there was a package like that out there for the Cavs, then I could see the Cavs pulling the trigger on that. Right. Well, why? Um, hold on. But what? Why? Why would you hate the, the protected picks? All that is is just an in, in insurance policy that if this thing blows up and Kyrie Irving decides to walk, and we sorry as hell, then we're gonna at least get the bounce back. You still gonna get a pick. It's just not gonna be this exact one. It'll be a. I just think it's lame. I just think it's lame. Think like it's lame? what it's saying is that <laughs> if you get a top three protected pick, that means we're gonna trade our pick to the Cavs. But if that pick hits in the lottery and our pick jumps up from the sixth slot or the eighth slot or the tenth slot and it jumps up to number one, Phoenix still gets it. To me, if you trade a pick, you trade it. Like that, I think that's the way it should be personally. And I don't even remember when protected picks first came into play. I don't think that that was a thing until maybe the late 2000s. Like I, I back in like maybe 10, 12, 15 years ago, I don't even remember protected picks being a thing. But um but, but it seemed like after after the Clippers traded uh an unprotected pick to the Cavs, which ended up being number 1, which they used to select Kyrie Irving, right. ironically, that was like the last unprotected pick that really got moved. And ever since then, everybody was like, nah, we're not doing that. So I understand it. Like, everybody has the option of putting protections on their picks. I get it. To me, as just as a fan, I just think it's corny. Like, okay. trade, you, right. you that, trade the pick, you know, or you don't. You know what I mean? That, that's your opinion. You know you're entitled to that. So, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of like... Wouldn't it be more interesting? Wouldn't, it, wouldn't the league be more interesting if there were no protections on I picks? mean, a, a little bit. But at at the same time, I feel like 
you know, if a guy gets into a situation and he decides that he doesn't like it and he just mails it in, you know, I, <clears throat> and it's like, who who's to blame for that? You know, is that all on the team? Because I mean, it's the cost of business. I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get too deep in that. Let's 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 keep it on the Kyrie. So, uh, you you like the Phoenix trade for Cleveland? Like, if, you know, I, yeah. You, I mean, as I, a I fan, like the trade, but there's Kyrie there's reports out today that Phoenix would make that deal. I think so. If he's if he's one of the twelve best players in the NBA. And Josh Jackson is an unknown commodity, hmm. and you wouldn't trade Josh Jackson for Kyrie, who's 25 years old on a good contract with two years <laughs> left. I don't understand why he wouldn't do that. I mean, I mean, Kyrie is clearly better than Devin Booker at this stage of their careers. Devin Booker is nice, don't get me wrong, but at this stage of their careers, Kyrie Irving is a better player than Devin Booker. Hmm. So it stands to reason that if you're doing it just from a player-for-player player standpoint, that Phoenix should be willing to move off Devin Booker if it means they're going to get Kyrie. But I understand why they wouldn't. And and the idea is to try to pair two guys together. That's why the Knicks wouldn't trade Porzingis for Kyrie. That's why the Suns wouldn't trade Devin Booker for Kyrie. But to add Josh Jackson to that equation, come on. I just think that that's you're, – you're cutting off your nose to spot your face at that point. Yeah, there, there is something to that. Um, but, but still, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they should be able to work that out. And eventually, if – if you really want LeBron to have his way, it'll just be team clutch. It'll be the clutch Cavaliers. So just, just <laughs> or, the, or the banana boat squad, right? I mean, if if it's not going to be the banana boat squad, it's going to be the clutch Cavaliers. That's, that's all I'm going to call that right now. Uh, there's just going to be everybody that LeBron signs. <laughs> he's going to be getting the cut off every contract that Cleveland signs. It's going to be very interested in that locker room after that. That's all I'm gonna say. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, where I'm guessing, if you had a little bit more insight, taking your best guess because you're right there in a the situation, like you say, you even got like a little plug in. Uh, where does Kyrie really want to be at? Like in his career, is this because he can't get the shine and he has the number one Nike shoe? You know, is this because these other point guards are having this mediocre success and because they're the guy in the face of the franchise? Like, is that enough to throw out the potential of being back in the finals year after year? And is it like I got my ring? I'm finna do me. Like, is what's closer to what Kyrie really wants out there? Like, that's where I'm wondering myself. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of all that. I think I don't know that it's any one thing, but I think the fact that, as we said, there's other players that he's at least comparable to, if not better than that are suggested to be better than him. I think that that probably bugs him. I think Kyrie's a real competitor, man. I really do. And I, I remember at the beginning of last year seeing a article that Sports Illustrated did. Sports Illustrated ranked the top 25 or 50 players in the NBA. And they had Kyrie around like 23, 24. And they had guys like Kyle Lowry at 17. Mm. And it's like, what planet are y'all on? 
Like, I understand Lowry's a good defensive player. Kyrie isn't. Totally understood. But one guy has a track record of being terrible in the playoffs year after year, like underperforming in the playoffs. The other guy has a track record for always rising to the occasion year after year. So, I mean, the fact that Kyrie true. has the ability to and, – and I think this is, this is a point that I'm stealing, I think, from Windhorse. I heard him mention it somewhere was that Kyrie's value actually is uh, elevated in the playoffs because the game slows down and it becomes more of a half-court game and Kyrie can get buckets in the half-court. Guys like John Wall, John Wall's phenomenal, but John Wall struggles to score in the half-court because he can't shoot. He's not that great right. of a shooter. Whereas Kyrie is an exceptional shooter. So if John Wall's not in transition running up and down the floor, he's struggling to get to get buckets, whereas Kyrie can get points. He can score on anybody. So, I mean, I think Kyrie's kind of looking at all of these things and he's, he's judging himself up against these other guys. And he's like, wait a minute, I, I, I average 30 a game in the final. I'm hitting the game-winning shot in game seven on the road against a team that nobody said that we could beat. I'm, I'm doing all of this, and they're putting Kyle Lowry ahead of me, the guy that, that underwhelms in the playoffs every year. I think that stuff bothers him. But Kyle Lowry's the number one guy in Toronto, or he's 1A in Toronto. You know what I mean? And so I think that kind of stuff plays a role. Um, and then I think the other big thing, and I'm not the first person to, to, to mention, I'm not the first person that uh, your listeners may have heard mention this, but this is actually, I think, in the second tweet that I sent out last Friday after the news first broke. And that was that Kyrie has that quote-unquote Mamba mentality, which uh, he got from his buddy Kobe because he's always looked up to Kobe. And so people that follow Kyrie already knew that he, he looked up to Kobe and he looked at Kobe like he was a big brother in the league. And that he kind of views himself as a six foot two Kobe. You know what I mean? I mean, and, and he might be Kobe if he was six seven or <laughs> something close yeah, to it offensively would, anyway. Man, if Kyrie was six seven, I don't, bro, that shit would be... Ridiculous. It would be. It would be. I mean, they'd have to change the rules to stop him if he was six seven, but uh, or six six. But but you know, he's six two and a half, six three, whatever. And uh, I mean, and and it's not quite the same. But the point is just that he has that kind of mentality about him. And anybody that's followed him from the time that he was a young player in AAU ball, and he was, you know, I remember Pablo Torre for ESPN wrote a a big uh, piece in ESPN the magazine about Kyrie when he was a rookie and it talked a lot about his, his experience in coming up in, in, in that AAU circuit and how he just wanted to kill everybody. And he used to like have it like in a journal, he used to just write it down, like murder everybody. Like that was his, that was who he was and that's his makeup. And he views himself in the same way that people view Kobe Bryant. And now the irony of that is that in my opinion, Kobe Bryant is probably the most selfish ball player that I've ever seen doesn't mean he's not one of the best ball players that right. I've ever seen because he's that also. But I think Kobe Bryant was incredibly selfish throughout his career. And now you have Kyrie doing what a lot of people would view as a selfish thing, which is I, I don't like playing on LeBron. I don't want to have all this team success. I want to try to do it on my own and go do my own thing. So I think those are the main factors that play into it. And, and going back to what I said before about LeBron taking some of the blame for it, I don't think LeBron has done enough to manage the situation as the leader of the team. And he's kind of let this Kyrie situation get away from him. Mm, that, there might be something to that. Well, we, we're going to really have to keep an eye on this. I'm, I'm so you know I will. pins and needles. Like, I'm so <laughs> tired of the ESPN app going off on my phone 
and I'm looking and it's not Kyrie being traded. It's just another quote. I'm about to turn it off. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> ESPN, you send me another quote about what Stephen A said on first take today. I'm turn I'm taking the whole app off my phone. I'm sick. I of mean, it. it's not news, man. I mean, they're, they're, it's July is a slow month for sports, man. I mean, so they're doing every they're doing everything they can to, to milk this story, and it's a big story. But they're going to do everything they can to to milk this story for all it's worth. They were milking the cash for all they were worth before Kyrie uh, uh, asked for a trade. Even with the GM, now they got this. They, they got they got a, at least two oh. weeks of content out of yeah. this, and that's assuming he doesn't even get traded. Okay, all right. Do you, but, do you think he's going to get traded? By the way, I, he's definitely getting traded. There's no you think so? no way they're going to start the season with Kyrie on the roster. No way. I'm, I'm booking it. I'll bet whatever the odds is on it, he's gone. I think they might. I think they might start with him on the roster. I really. No, I think it's possible. He's gone. Not unless they go. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't know that that's the best decision. But okay. I, I would rather. I will tell you this much. For the sake of the Cavaliers, I would rather that they start with LeBron and Kyrie on the roster to get them both in a room together and say, you guys are two grown men and you're both on a contract. Y'all need to work this out. I think that they're better off doing that than uh, making making one of these trade machine deals that I'm seeing on Twitter and Facebook where the Cavs send Kyrie to Utah and they get uh, Derek Favors, Rodney Hood, and Ricky Rubio. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> and people be... are like, "Yeah, that's a good deal." Nah. Like, no, well, it's a horrible e- e- deal. It's a cat. horrible deal. But even if the, like you still can't trade Rubio because they just got him. True, but I mean, like I've seen that stuff out there. Like I've seen some of these trades, or, or like Phoenix saying, "Like, well, we're not going to put Josh Jackson in the deal because they think they have the leverage in the situation, so they're going to act like they're not going to put Josh Jackson in the deal." No, so the Phoenix deal, good. the centerpiece of it will be Derek, uh, Eric Bledsoe, who's got all these knee surgeries. Oh, man. It's going to be Eric Bledsoe and Tyson Chandler for Kyrie. Are you out of your mind? Like, people people don't know where to place value, place Kyrie's value. They they don't. And so, um, you know, maybe I'm overvaluing him. I don't I don't think I am, though. I think, I think he's one of the top 12 players in the league. I think his trophy case would suggest that he's one of the top 10 players in the league. And I actually wrote about that on my site after he won his Olympic gold medal. I mean, he's got the NBA championship. He's averaged 30 a game in the finals before. He had a 41-point game on the road in game five last year against Golden State. That was an elimination game. He was the MVP of the world championship team. That that team had Anthony Davis on it. It had James Harden. It had Klay Thompson. It had Stephen Curry. They were all on that team. Kyrie Irving was the MVP of the tournament. Right. John Wall didn't even make that team. That's why John Wall goes at Kyrie's neck now every time he plays him because he wants Kyrie to uh, Because uh, yeah, because Kyrie because John Wall got cut from that team. Well, you know, well, I mean, yeah. so I think I think Kyrie's. Uh, I, th- I think people have a hard time placing proper value on his skills, and I just think he's one of the most gifted offensive players I've ever seen, and that doesn't grow on trees in the NBA. Well, you do have a new general manager. Uh, well, Mr. Kobe Altman, uh, who I did not know was Brown. I see Dan Gilbert was really determined <laughs> to get him a Brown guy in that front office. But that's another subject for another day. I see what you're doing there. That That is that is very, very on purpose. It, it wasn't a coincidence that it went Chauncey and then he was like, well, I'm going to get somebody. That's not a coincidence. Well, you know, I mean, Kobe's been with the team for a little while. So he he's not out of completely out of left field. I'm but. not saying he's out of left field, but I'm just saying. 
<laughs> it was not a coincidence that he was trying to give the job to a brown guy. That's all I'm going to say. But, yeah, uh, could be. Could be. We're going to wrap this one up, man. I do appreciate you taking out some time to kind of unpack this whole situation with me because it's it's just too much. How you think Cleveland fans feel? I know. I man. mean, they've been they've been put through the ringer, man. Like they they can't like it's 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 it, 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 it takes everything just for just to deal with the LeBron rumors. I mean, just right. like look, think back to summer league. I mean, you know, hey. Lonzo Ball's hooping it hooping it up in summer league, and and LeBron's going to the game. Right, they're kicking side. it, man. <laughs> it's like you, you think man. that's a good look for the for the for the fans? It, it's not a good look. <laughs> I mean, it, it's hard to deal with, man. Like, and, and and I get it. Like, I think I think that there's more. You have to be more leery of LeBron leaving Cleveland now because he got him a championship and because he left once before, okay. and he's left his team twice before. So I think the possibility that he's going to leave is very real. Even though I think the best basketball situation for him is to stay where he's at. Well, of course, man. Well, uh, we got to get up out of here. So is there anything you want to pump before uh, we shut it down? Well, uh, I want to thank you again for having me on, and uh, I really appreciate that. Um, you can find me on uh, hiphopsportsreport.com. That's my site. Uh, I do a lot of writing there, and uh, do I have a podcast, a Hip Hop Sports Report podcast, available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And uh, you can find us on SoundCloud also. Um, and then, uh, again, I'm on uh Facebook, it's facebook.com slash HHS report and twitter.com slash HHS report. If y'all want to hear me drone on some more about uh, <laughs> hip hop and sports, basketball, football, and what have you. So I really appreciate you bringing me back. Oh, anytime, man. I got, I got to get you back. We got to talk about some of these albums in the, from the first part of 2017. We can definitely do that. But, you know, we got to shut it down. I'm, I'm not even going to start. <laughs> That's probably for the best. All right, we'll we'll save it for next time. Most definitely, man. Take care. All right, man. Do it.